Hey, Katie. Hey, Ben. Today we're talking about web crawlers, episode mm. two. Cool. You are listening to Linear Digressions. So we should start with probably a quick recap of episode one for anybody who missed it, or maybe it's been a few days. Right. Um, so yeah, we were talking about web crawlers uh, in this particular example. Yeah, you were kind of talking about a blog post on the Google unofficial data science blog post. Correct. And so these are some data scientists who work at Google and we're thinking about a particular type of problem, which is how should we think about recrawling web pages? So periodically revisiting web pages to scrape down the HTML and figure out if anything has changed, if Google needs to update any search results, because of course the web is constantly changing and Google wants to have as close to a real-time snapshot of that as possible. Yeah, but of course you can't crawl the entire internet every minute to get the maximum freshness. So um, yeah, go to go to the previous episode if you haven't heard about it or heard it already to learn about the first solution that the, the Google engineers and data scientists tried because we're about to dive into solution number two. Right. So in this scenario, the data scientists are tasked with coming up with some way of allocating the um, the crawling resources across all the pages of the internet. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to make it so that the average staleness of a page, which is you know how long a page has been changed, but Google doesn't know about it. Yeah, yeah, how long it's been kind of out of date. We want to minimize that over all the pages of the internet. So we know that like sometimes a, a page will change and then for a few minutes or a few seconds or a few hours, Google hasn't picked that up. Um, so that would count against sort of our overall objective function. We want to keep that time to a minimum over all the pages. And so the question is, you know, every host has a certain amount of scrapes that it's going to allow. Google itself has limited bandwidth for actually sending all of its various crawlers across all the different pages. So subject to those constraints and the assumption that there's periodic, but not always, uh, you know, super, super predictable or super reliable updates to these web pages, then how do we put those together into some kind of optimization formulation such that we can solve this problem elegantly. And so in the last episode, we talked about one of those solutions, but it's something that uh, was not very nice to implement. Maybe it was elegant if you're a data scientist, but if you're an engineer, it wasn't great. Yeah, as I recall, um, the solution was kind of black boxy. In other words, you didn't really know why exactly it worked or how exactly it worked. And if you're gonna if you're gonna productionize a really important uh, like a new algorithm for a really really important mission critical system like uh, web crawling for Google, like kind of your bread and butter. You don't want to have a solution that you have no idea how it works, really. Um, you ideally would like a solution where if something, if it gives you bad results for some reason, you can kind of debug into that and figure out why, like what what went into its decision that you disagree with, um, and then what can you change to kind of nudge the results in the direction that you actually want. Yep, that's right. And so now let's talk through a different way of formulating the same problem um, that kind of reframes it. And this is a you know, spoiler. This is a 
a solution that's a little bit more elegant if you're an engineer. What we said last time is that one of the ways you can solve the problem as it was previously set up is in terms of basically the time that should elapse between the crawls that you make of a page. So what you need to know is what's the ideal time between crawls, like let's say it's five minutes or something, but you also need to know how long has it been since your last crawl. And so if it's been more than five minutes since your last crawl, you should recrawl it. If it's less than five, then you're probably okay. But the thing that you're actually effectively solving for there, the thing that you're trying to figure out is of all of the web pages that I could crawl right now, which are the ones that I should prioritize? So mm-hmm. how do I how do I stack rank them and where do I cut off the list? And then those are the ones that make the cut are the next ones that get that get crawled. Right. Yeah, your web crawler is going to have um, a queue and you want to order things in the queue based on how uh, how important it is to get it que- uh, to get it uh, crawled quickly. Yes. And then your exactly. scheduler will actually go and schedule those um, jobs in the queue to to machines, and then those machines will go and they'll actually do it. Yep, yep. So I think that was actually a really nice reframing. So instead of saying something like, well, how long has it been since we last visited this? And is that less than or more than some threshold? What we instead say is, number one, we want this to be forward-looking. We don't want it to be backward-looking. And the only problem that we are trying to solve you know, on the aggregate level is what are the next few pages that we should be crawling next. So it doesn't matter how far down they are on the list. If they're like, if they don't make the cut, they don't make the cut. And so we just have to figure out sort of exactly as you said, how to sort a queue in this case, which it turns out engineers are raised from raised from the cradle, learning how to sort (laughs) queues. So this is, we're already back in more familiar territory for an engineer than we ever were talking about black box convex optimization solvers this is and just just to toss this out there this is sorting a queue as in q u e u e that word list yeah yes okay so let's follow this thread a little bit so is there some way that for each page we say what is the value of recrawling it at any point since when it was last crawled. What this is effectively saying is that probably the general shape that this function has is that if we've just recrawl, if we've just crawled a page, the value of recrawling it is going to be relatively low because the chances that it's been updated are going to be relatively low. So we say that this is, you know, it's just like not a high priority. But there's some function that says based on my guesses about when on average updates, I should expect updates to this page, then the value of recrawling it is going to start increasing because the probability that it's been updated has is going to start increasing until it reaches some comparatively high number and then it might flatten out or something like this. So we have this function that describes how valuable it is to recrawl a page as a function of when it was last crawled. And what you can do is that function will be particular to each page and it's just going to be a function of like that page plus how long it's been since the last time you crawled it and you can sort your list of pages by that function and then that if you can figure out sort of what that function is or how to formulate it then that's a fairly simple way of doing that queue sorting you know i love that idea because that gives you a lot more um 
expressivity, I guess, uh, in in those functions. Because, for example, if you take linearregressions.com, our webpage updates pretty consistently once a week, usually on Sundays. And so, in theory, if if whatever is generating the functions could figure that out, then you could actually have a function that is very, very low up until whenever that Sunday would be. And then it kind of spikes up because it's a lot more likely that crawling on Sunday evening is going to yield a change, whereas crawling on Saturday or Friday or Thursday or Wednesday uh, are very unlikely to yield a change. So like, even if you have a relatively naive approach in creating these functions initially, your, the solution has the expressivity in it that allows you to update that earlier component that creates the functions to uh, be smarter, especially with websites that do periodic updates or, you know, probably there are other examples I'm not thinking of. And just to be clear, like, it, I'm not sure that the solution they came up with for this one is quite that level of sophistication. So I'll, I'll walk you through, like, the actual way that you would formulate this problem. But, mm. yeah, there's a lot of, you know, ways that you could smarten this up. But let's suppose that you don't have quite enough information to optimize to that level. Or maybe it's mm-hmm. a website that isn't as predictable as, as we are. So this brings us to how do you solve this optimization problem? So the first thing is we have the same objective function. Like we still want to optimize the, um, the average freshness weighted over all of the pages on the internet. And it's still subject to the constraint of there's kind of an upper limit on each host for how often it can be recrawled or what the, the minimum time between recrawls is if you want to sort of put that the other way. And then there's a total amount of resources across all of the pages that Google has available. And so the first thing that you do is the first time that we set up these equations, it was very often in terms of the optimal time between crawls. And so that's kind of the difference between when you last crawled it and whether you should crawl it again or not. But now we're going to rewrite those equations in terms of the recrawl rate, and that helps out a little bit because that's nice because the rate is something that's independent of when was the last time you recrawled it. And this has a few problems in the sense that the rate could be something that you would have to change through time. So, so this solution, you know, if there's all of a sudden a huge burst of edits to a single page, that's sort of out of the ordinary, this would Mm. be, you know, maybe not optimal in a case like that, but other than that, you know, it might still yeah. be a pretty good approximation. That happens to politicians when they announce that they're running for office. All of a sudden, Wikipedia's page goes crazy. Yeah, yeah. So there's there's some cases like that where it might not be perfect, but for for most of the your your yeah. average cases, it's pretty good. And you know, this is a little bit. I don't know that this is literally how their recrawl rog- logic works. So this might be a little bit of an academic exercise. But anyway, and so then. We have this, we have a constrained optimization problem, same as we had before, but there's another way that we can solve it here. And it's with a method called Lagrange multipliers. And this is just a a way that you can solve certain types of constrained optimization problems that are subject to uh, special rules about the, the objective functions and the constraints and the relationships between them. 
I'm not going to get into the details of that too much here, although there was a pretty good resource that I found when I was reading up on this this weekend, and we'll put it on LinearDigressions.com, like kind of some um, notes from a college class or something. But the general point is that there's certain types of conditions that you can have on an optimization problem, and when those conditions are met, which they happen to be in this case, then you can use this technique called Lagrange, Lagrange optimization or Lagrange multipliers. And so the way that that works is we have one objective function and we have two constraints. And what you do is you write a, a new function called a Lagrangian, and that is your objective function plus what's called a Lagrange multiplier, which is just a number, multiplied by constraint one, and then there's a second Lagrange multiplier multiplied by constraint two, and you add those to the objective function. So you're making this equation of your objective function and your constraints, and it's all in there together in this term called a Lagrangian. And then you take the derivative of the Lagrangian with respect to the term in that equation that you want to optimize by. You set the derivative equal to zero, and then you can solve for the Lagrange multipliers. Now, that was a lot of math, and I don't expect that it was super easy to follow, but the point is that now you have an expression for what that variable is that you're optimizing for, which is the recrawl rate for each page. So now I have a, an equation for each page. What is the recrawl rate of that page expressed in terms of Lagrange multipliers? And one of those Lagrange multipliers is basically a number, and it's the limit that's imposed by the limitation of the host itself. And then there's a second limit that's the limitation of Google. And so we're saying that the recrawl rate of this page has to be slower than the constraint that's imposed by the page, plus mm -hmm. the constraint that's imposed by Google. Mm -hmm. And then you can solve for those two numbers, because Google knows their number, and then you can do on a page by page, you know, what's the maximum rate for this page. Or and just then you have say some the recrawl rate number. just has to be slower than that. And then that's going to yeah. be the optimal recrawl rate. Yep. All right. And I'm like glossing over a, a lot of mathematical details. It's not quite that simple here. And that wasn't even really that simple because we're doing things like introducing all these new terms into the equation and taking derivatives of weird things and all this kind of stuff. Uh -huh. But my point is, you know, it's, it's kind of just it's a page or so of algebra, maybe. Um, in the scheme of things, this isn't that bad. And what it does is it tells you, number one, what's the optimal recrawl rate for this page? And that's really nice because then it's fairly straightforward to say, how fast are we supposed to be recrawling this page versus how fast have we recrawled it in the last few seconds and like use that to make the decision about whether to recrawl it again or not. And then the second thing that's kind of cool that happens to be true of this Lagrange multiplier technique is you have these two terms that are contributing to the overall rate at which you can recrawl. One of them is coming from Google and one of them is coming from the host. And based on which of those two numbers is bigger, you can actually figure out which is the constraint that's holding you back at any given time. So if the if in solving this system for of equations, you find that the constraint that's really actually holding you back is coming from Google, then that's their hint that if they were to invest in more computing resources, that they could actually 
increase the the average freshness of the pages versus if they were to find it the other way that's effectively saying that the pages themselves are limiting the recrawl rate and it doesn't matter how much more google spends on computers they're not going to be able to do any better than what they're doing right now so that's one of the things yeah. that's kind of cool about lagrange multipliers is they tell you basically which of the constraints are ending up like having the biggest impact on the overall answer that you get that's really cool. And then that allows you to make business decisions like we should spend this many more millions of dollars to increase the page freshness by this much percent or something like that. And that's all quite pre- predictable. And you can tell which kinds of pages will be affected in that way versus um, won't be able to have their numbers moved. And then you can decide like, okay, well, what does like when you do all of those cost benefit analyses how many servers should we throw at this problem uh, becomes an actually solvable problem. Yeah, and it also parallelizes really nicely this way too, mm. because each page now, whether you should recrawl it or not, is a very simple function of the recrawl rate that's in ho- imposed by the host. And you can parallel, if you have many, many hosts that you want to be scanning over, then you can just have that number live on one machine for each host. You don't have to do some kind of complicated pooling operation where you have to like send all those numbers into some central server that then sends them back out. You just like have that assigned to each one where it lives locally. Um, and there is one global constraint that has to be updated across all of the machines, which is the overall resource allocation. But if there's just one number that you have to send out from kind of the master node to all of the to all of the worker nodes. That's not that bad. So the the point is that this is a solution that also parallelizes quite nicely to relative to the one before, because there's just a lot less information that has to be aggregated up and then broadcast back out. Nice. That's really cool. Um, I I learned something about web crawling. Uh, good. Yeah. So if this is uh, if this is really interesting to you, um, I highly recommend this blog post. And then I'll also include. Uh, some, like I said, some of the uh, lecture notes that uh, I found particularly helpful here about how Lagrange multipliers work because, yeah, they're a little bit complicated. They do not lend themselves well to uh, the podcast medium, unfortunately, but they're really, really interesting if constrained optimization is is your jam. I don't know. I mean, I learned all of the algebra that I know via podcast. Oh, I'm sure that's not true. But if you want to learn more, if you if wait you for, you know, algebra. maybe 20 minutes or so after uh, I update LinearDigressions.com at some point on Sunday, yeah. then uh, <laughs> you will be able to find the lecture notes that I used. Linear Digressions is a creative commons endeavor, which means you can share or use it any way you like. Just tell them we said hi. To find out more about this or any other episode of Linear Digressions, go to LinearDigressions.com. And if you like this podcast, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes so other people get to listen to this content too. You can always get in touch with either of us. Our emails are ben at LinearDigressions.com and katie at LinearDigressions.com in case you have comments or suggestions for future shows. You can tweet us at LinDigressions. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time.